Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What the hell is up, Dolphins? And welcome in. To the Monday, April the 8th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football, and on today's show, we're going to get into the weeds of Miami's 23-year-old quarterback of the defense and tell you why Raekwon McMillan is primed for big, big things in Miami Plus, the actual quarterback carousel is going to spin until Miami finds its guy. We'll discuss the latest developments there and how we can learn from the Packers, Rodgers, and McCarthy debacle. And finally, the AAF disbands, and we'll talk about a veteran trade possibility come draft day. All of that and much more. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, or the new Himalaya Podcast app. We are a top five podcast in the Locked On Network because of you guys. We say thank you for all of that. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. The blog is cranking out good work every single day, even in my absence. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And before we jump in here real quick, I want to go ahead and talk about the recap of my vacation, my wedding week. Really, truthfully, the best week of my life. We ate great food. We drank and laid by the pool. It was nice to relax with the new missus post-wedding week where everybody was always around us trying to get us to do different things, pulling us in different directions. So going to Maui and just relaxing was so, 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 so damn nice. And I think maybe the best part of getting back is the fact that I don't have to read on Twitter anymore that I need to get off Twitter because... What the hell else am I supposed to do while I'm in the bathroom doing my business or sitting on an airplane taxiing while the wife is on Instagram? There are moments in vacation where you can look at your phone. It's not the end of the world. We had a great time. She was fine. We are fine. But I will say, if you go to Kauai, go ahead and skip out on the tubing excursion down the canals of the sugar canes or whatever that is. Freezing cold water. Not that great of a time. Skip that. And if you're in Maui, check out Miso Fat Sushi, the best restaurant I've ever eaten at. So fresh, so delicious, and it's bring your own beer too, so you can't complain. But I think the best part of vacation might just be getting home. We rolled in very, very late Friday night, early Saturday morning, and the missus went to bed, and I plopped down in my recliner in front of what would qualify as my man cave, even though I hate calling it that, and I checked the DVR, and I do watch a lot of TV. My wife, Ayo, goes to sleep a solid two hours earlier than me every night, and I'm enjoying it while I can before little Cameron Wingfield eventually gets here, but here are the shows that I watch that I've got episodes ready to roll on DVR. HBO's Barry, Brockmire, You're the Worst, the season finale, or series finale rather, Impractical Jokers, What We Do in the Shadows, and Tosh.0, so that was all pretty neat, and then right after I sit down, my cat comes in and jumps up and just cannot get enough love, so she's hanging out, I'm happy, everybody's happy, just a week that made me appreciate all the things I love in life, except, except for the Miami Dolphins, and that is what we're here to talk about. Let's go ahead and get things started. That's another Miami Dolphins 
Man, it feels good to hear that. I'm excited to be back. And there were a multitude of content drivers I wanted to discuss this week on the podcast with no recording last week. But we'll start off here with today's feature article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And real quick before I jump into that, a big thank you to Jason Harina, our staff editor, for guiding the ship in my absence. He had the crew clicking on all cylinders. Our writers, Gabe, Andrew, Jamin, Oliver, and Sean, they were all on top of it with the news and analysis. So check those guys out, and I'm back on the scene now with a piece titled Raekwon McMillan, Miami's Front 7 Lynchpin, and this was an article in the works for some time because I really feel like McMillan had a strong, strong finish to the season and was being slept on by a lot of Dolphins fans, and it's difficult to imagine somebody watching the games and coming to the conclusion that Kiko Alonso is a better player at this stage of the two players' careers, and while I've done enough disparaging of Kiko Alonso the last few weeks. It's time to tell you why McMillan is the long-term answer inside at linebacker for this football team. Now, I heard an episode of Move the Sticks while jumping islands. And by the way, Hawaii Island power rankings goes Kauai, the big island with Kona, and Maui, though all three of those are great. But Daniel Jeremiah was talking about players that have had to take a redshirt rookie season and how it rarely works out for them. And the one big hit was obviously Jalen Smith from Notre Dame to Dallas. He's a star there already, but we've seen Sidney Jones, for instance, struggle recently. Our own Tank Carradine is a redshirt washout, and the question is circulating right now around Jeffrey Simmons of Mississippi State. Well, Raekwon McMillan was healthy when he was drafted, but we all know that he went down on what seemed like a rather innocuous punt coverage play in an even more innocuous exhibition game, his first play as a pro, as a matter of fact, and McMillan has since revealed some interesting yet unsurprising details about that injury. And first, it was the first time he'd ever been hurt in a football game. Coming out of Ohio State, he was a sure tackler and a tackle-to-tackle banger inside. He only missed 23 out of 268 tackle opportunities in his three years at college at Ohio State in the Big Ten, a 91.5 success rate. Pretty damn good. But that didn't translate, at least not right away. He missed 13 tackles this year for a success rate right around 85%, but most of that came early in the season when he looked slow and changed of direction, was a liability in coverage, and was sometimes late to key. But then things began to click, however, in week five when he led all NFL linebackers in run stops, which is a pro football focused stat for stops within two yards of the line of scrimmage from week five to week 17 in the 2018 season. And that strong finish was a product of two things. One, his impressive film study habits and commitment to the rehab process. He has been lauded for his communication skills, even from former head coach Adam Gaze, which is a buzzword of Flores and Greer this offseason. They want great communicators. That's what McMillan is. Jerome Baker, his former Ohio State teammate and now Dolphin teammate, has talked multiple times at length about the leadership and tutelage offered by McMillan, how he would go to Raekwon in practice or in games when he needed help with his assignment or his pre-snap alignment because McMillan knew everybody's job on the field. And the second part of that, he was finally healthy. He points to the Week 8 game against Houston as the time that he finally felt restriction-free for the first time post-ACL surgery, in fact, and that was when he stopped his rehab and got back to a normal football and practice schedule of a professional football player. And this quote from a December article from Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post 
is telling. It goes, quote, at the beginning of the year, I was still hobbling around after games. After practice, McMillan said, I was hurting a lot. I still had to do rehab, but by week seven or by week eight, I didn't have to go to rehab anymore. I just let it rest and I was able to move a little bit faster. The first time I knew, okay, I'm all right now, was the Houston game where I ran down Lamar Miller and caught him from behind. That was the first time I opened up like that in a year, end quote. And it's not just lip service. The data backs it up. McMillan was Pro Football Focus's number four graded run defense linebacker from that moment onward. Only Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, and Rashawn Evans, who you'll recall I was super high on this time last year, for the same reasons I like McMillan, they caused four car pileups en route to the football, and then McMillan. Houston's Benarik McKinney, he rounds out the top five. McMillan played 831 snaps in 2018, 76% of Miami's defensive total. He's just 23 years old, and while his coverage skill set may be lacking, it's the new defense that can cover those warts and highlight his best attributes, much in the way New England has done with Dante Hightower. Now, McMillan was on the Audible podcast with John Kinjemi last week, and he disclosed that Coach Flores has told him to watch the tape of Dante Hightower in getting prepared for this new season, but it should be a note made that McMillan went to Flores and asked him what he should do to prepare. But what does this mean? What is the Hightower role? Well, it's a very unique position. Unlike any linebacker in football, it's nearly an even split of on-ball rush and gap responsibility and off-ball traditional linebacker position work. In fact, 51.4% of Hightower snaps last year were off the ball and 45.2% were on the ball either off the edge or in the A-gap and the other snaps there were out flexing wide in coverage. Hightower is 6'3", 260. He's a big boy. McMillan, 6'2", 250. Also a big boy. McMillan's usage in 2018 had him off the ball 93% of his snaps and on the line of scrimmage for only two snaps of the entire season. 0.002% of the time. So it's a big change, but the film shows that he can do it. There are videos in the article up on LockdownDolphins.com that showcase McMillan's work as a blitzer. And in fact, I found one of those two on-ball pre-snap alignments where McMillan is in the A-gap and very distinctly goes out of his way to fulfill his assignment on that play. He's supposed to close down on the running back and chip the guard responsible for handling a looping in William Hayes and McMillan wins inside, takes out both Isaiah Crowell and the Jets right guard, leading to a quarterback hit from Hayes on that particular play. And this is what he did at Ohio State. What he also did at Ohio State and with the Finns was destroy lead blocks and running games. He wants to initiate contact. He can win inside of those reach blocks. He can disengage from fullbacks and make run stops. He's one of the very best in football at this exact deal. And this gap integrity, matchup base position is what makes Dante Hightower a star in New England. And it's the same role that's going to make Miami's 23-year-old linebacker a star under Brian Flores and under Patrick Graham. All right, let's go ahead and turn the page here. We've got a lot still to come, including some quarterback buzz and what we can learn from Green Bay's infighting and their diva quarterback and head coach. Next, the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. The first of many off-season workout programs began while I was away, but there really wasn't a whole lot to report on. They aren't even allowed to use a football at this point, 
But we had a football out in Hawaii, however, as two Saturdays ago was one of my favorite days of my life. It's called Shipwreck Beach in Poipu, Kauai. Cliff jumping, boogie boarding, a party on the beach with all of my friends and family. I drank way too much. We'll get to more on that in the next segment. But let's go ahead and jump into this quarterback position talk because there were some buzzy tweets from last week that I felt like we need to talk about here on the podcast. And we'll start with this idea that Russell Wilson has put a deadline on the Seahawks in regards to a new contract extension that wants to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, and rightfully so, because for my money, Russell Wilson's an elite quarterback. There's only three guys in the league that I think currently, right now, today, are better. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees, with two of those guys being, what, 38, 39, 41, 42 years old for Brady and Brees. So, Wilson is on track to really be the next guy to take over the elite quarterback position group in the NFL. He's been productive every year. Hall of Fame stats, Hall of Fame production, Hall of Fame wins, and all the stuff that goes along with the accolades of playing quarterback at a high level. Let's go ahead and make this note first. It's not going to happen. The Dolphins are not going to find a trade for Russell Wilson, but I do believe they should not hesitate to at least pick up the phone and ask what it would take because I look at what Russell Wilson is compared to what Brian Flores wants to build, and that would be a perfect marriage, a perfect relationship for this team and their vision at the position. We know about accuracy and mobility, accountability, the ability to kind of bring a locker room together and galvanize a football team that way. And Wilson has proven time and time again in his career that he can mitigate poor offensive line play, something Miami might have this year and going forward. He has an inherent manager trait, which is often thought of in negative terms in football, but he can manage a strong defense and quality running game, which again, I think the Dolphins want to build. He has won with that in the past. I don't think there's any... There's any compensation that would be too much to go get Russell Wilson at age 31. Of course, the contract is a little bit dicey in terms of being the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, but he immediately makes you a winner, much like in the way I think a certain quarterback in this draft class makes you an immediate winner. And is Kyler Murray going to be available? Look, I don't think so. I think they hired Cliff Kingsbury with the idea they were going to draft Kyler Murray, but Josh Rosen showed up to Arizona Cardinals offseason workouts as the same time as the Dolphins had their workouts under a new head coach there with Kingsbury and Flores in Miami. And while I can't locate the tweet, there was this idea from a Cardinals beat writer that said that Kyler Murray to Arizona is not set in stone, but again, I'm not buying that buzz. I think eventually Josh Rosen will get dealt My prediction is he ultimately goes to Washington to team up with Jay Gruden, but it just takes another team off the quarterback market. Again, Wilson, Murray, Rosen. I think the Dolphins miss out on all three of these guys. And then there's this idea, this tweet rather, from Lance Zerline, one of the draft experts that I really like and trust his word. And he says this on Twitter. He is at Lance Zerline. After speaking with a few different teams, I I definitely get the feeling that Dwayne Haskins' draft stock was more media-created than team-driven. I see Haskins falling on draft day, and I think the chances are increasing that he is not the second quarterback off the board. Now, I take that to say that Drew Locke will probably go ahead of Haskins, and maybe even Daniel Jones, who has caught some buzz for whatever reason, but it's all crazy to me. I do think a lot of people expect Locke to go pretty damn high, and so do I, but I still contend that the biggest drop comes from quarterback one, Murray, to quarterback two, Haskins, and the next biggest drop 
comes from quarterback two, Haskins, to quarterback three, Locke, for me. And then, of course, we've got the 2020 class, which to me right now has three long-term solutions in it. Of course, this is almost guaranteed to change by the time we get to the draft next season, but they are Tua Tungavailoa, Jake Fromm from Georgia, and Utah State's Jordan Love, although Jordan Love could have the exact same situation play out that Josh Allen had his final season in Wyoming, losing all of his top pass catchers, his top running back, his offensive coordinator, losing his offensive line. Could be a rough go for Jordan Love from a surrounding cast standpoint, but you can see the physical traits there with that quarterback that makes him a top 10 potential pick in 2020. So Brian Flores will undoubtedly get a crack to saddle himself with one of these quarterbacks, and as is always the case, along with Chris Greer's job and Flores's job, will both be tied to the success of that quarterback of their choosing, and that offers us a perfect segue into this next article. Did you guys read that article on Bleacher Report titled, What Happened in Green Bay? Former Packer beat writer Tyler Dune wrote a real, real banger of a piece exploring the drama in Green Bay for the past decade plus between Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, how essentially a lack of communication, a lack of respect for one another, and an unwillingness to change prevented the Packers from capitalizing on arguably the best quarterback of all time, and my opinion, unarguably the most physically gifted quarterback of all time, because I'm sorry to say this, guys, but his mobility puts him one notch above Marino on the physical trait standpoint. But it harkens back to this idea that it's the right 53 over the best 53. It's about relationships, it's about communication, and it's about a common goal being the objective over individual gain. I won't sit here and tell you that I have the magic recipe for winning football and locker room dynamics and all of that stuff, but I will tell you that it's as important as anything in football, and it's the primary reason why each and every one of us sucks at NFL predictions every single year. That's why there's always surprise teams. That's why there's always disappointing teams. Locker room dynamics matter big time. It's fascinating. If you haven't read it yet, do so. And also go to sportsillustrated.com and check out Robert Klimko's piece on Kenny Stills. I will maintain my anti-anthem and protest stance here on the podcast. We're not going to talk about it, but I still find Kenny Stills as one of the best humans, not just in the game and the league, but on planet Earth. He is fantastic. Read that article, check it out, si.com, Robert Klimko. And we're going to come back here on the other side of the podcast with some news and notes, including a draft day veteran trade idea and the end of the American Alliance of Football. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. Good times always seem to come with repercussions, especially when it involves drinking. And that first Saturday in Hawaii, my first real day of the vacation, because we got in super late Friday evening, was with pretty much all of my groomsmen, all of my friends. I don't really have that big of a family, but I call my friends my family. We were all together on a beach with alcohol, with the sunshine, with cliff jumping, with boogie boarding. It was just a fantastic time, and we took the party from the beach where I guess I kind of lost track of how much I had had to drink. We go to this happy hour restaurant right off the coast called Pakalaki Joe's there in Poipu in Kauai, and 
I had a friend start feeding me drinks, which I hate doing because I don't handle alcohol that well, especially shots. He starts putting these vodka Red Bulls in front of me, and they have this rule that if you're going to order off the happy hour menu, you have to order two happy hour drinks. And so I order these two massive Long Island iced teas, which, as you guys probably know, those things taste so good, you don't realize you're getting just hammered drunk off of them. So I'm drinking all of these Long Islands and vodka Red Bulls. I get back to the room around 7 o'clock Hawaii time, so 10 o'clock on my body clock, and I can't even formulate a sentence at this point. I get put to bed by my buddy and my fiance at the time. They go out and have a good time without me. I woke up five or six times, ralphing all over the room, just calling dinosaurs over and over again. I woke up and I had barf all over the bed, all over my phone on the nightstand. Didn't even know how it happened. Was blacked out when it happened. Had to call room service and give them my sheets and my comforter and my pillows and just took it all away and basically slept on a stripped down bed whatever it was, I never want to do that again. That's not my style, but it happened. I guess it has to happen one time for your quote unquote bachelor party slash wedding week. But that was my drunken story from Hawaii. Just a mess of a night, a great time, but ended up being a mess. Let's go ahead and change gears here and get back to football. I saw a great tweet from a buddy of mine on Twitter. He is JT Evans. I think it's at JT underscore Evans 97. He said he found a mock draft that he calls the Winkville draft. And you're pretty much right, JT, because it goes like this. He traded back with Baltimore to get the 22nd pick, and he took Jonathan Abram out of Mississippi State, who you guys all know that I love. Wound up getting Chase Winovich, Miles Sanders, and the offensive tackle from Alabama State, Titus Howard. He got Jarrett Stidham, Max Crosby, the defensive end out of Eastern Michigan that I love, CJ Hassenauer out of Alabama, who I don't know much about, and receiver Hunter Renfro. So yes, that is definitely at Wingfield NFL approved as far as a mock draft. Would be thrilled to see that. I think he also scooped up an additional first round draft pick. Let's go ahead and change gears here once again though because the Dolphins are back in the player acquisition period taking a look at players from the disbanded AAF. It is no more. It is no longer. And we have baseball and I guess the rest of basketball to get us through this part of the offseason before that dead, dead period in the middle of the summer. But Barry Jackson who is at Florida Sports Buzz on Twitter, FLA Sports Buzz on Twitter, says the Dolphins have begun pursuing players from defunct AAF. Former Maryland and Birmingham Iron offensive lineman Michael Dunn plans to visit Miami next week per source, but also considering two other NFL teams as well with his decision. So the offensive line maybe gets a little bit stronger with Michael Dunn, who has some reps to work off of this past spring in the AAF. I think the Panthers have signed three or four guys. I know they got that Rashad Ross guy from the Arizona Hot Shots. So there are some players out there that I think can make an impact on an NFL roster. I think it's a good idea to explore, and it was a great way to get these guys on tape and get them back into camp. Plenty of these guys are going to be in camp with some team this August, so let's see if the Dolphins can capitalize and get in on that bidding. All right, one last note here on the podcast. I talked about it right before I left to Hawaii, and of course, we didn't have live shows all week, but I talked about how the Robert Quinn trade was a shorter salary, and Miami didn't pay for any of it, and thus took a smaller compensation, just a sixth-round pick in return. And right after that, I floated the idea that Miami could be doing this so they could later pay a bigger chunk of a bloated salary from another longtime great, a long-time Dolphin great, rather, Rashad Jones. 
And this was corroborated almost literally the next day by Barry Jackson, who says the Dolphins probably aren't done with these Tannehill and Quinn type of deals. And he listed Rashad Jones specifically. We know he is set to make about 13 million bucks this year. So I still think that Jones could get moved on draft day. I think it's definitely going to be something they explore. Can they get it done? The big chunk of the salary could really prohibit that from happening because he is way, way, way too high paid at a position that right now in the league is undervalued and a position that the Dolphins are going to have to find more pieces that fit their defense and preferably do it in a way through the draft that prevents them from paying too big a money at a position where really the value on the open market is just not there. It'll suck to see him go, but like Wake and like Tannehill, it just makes sense to say goodbye to Rashad Jones. I do expect he'll be traded on draft day with Miami taking a huge bite of that salary. Okay, that is going to be my time on the podcast today. If you guys have a smart speaker or Bluetooth capability in your car, you can pull up the podcast right away. Just say, play Locked On Dolphins podcast for your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast and the Himalaya Podcast app. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Check out the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog and that Ray Quan McMillan article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.